What's up, honey? I'm Sadi Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritual sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually sass is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in the complex gray areas between normal and nonconformist. Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening. On the Spiritually Sassy Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together. One guest at a time, we're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a referral to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sa Di Simone. Hello, my loves, and welcome to a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. Oh, my goodness. I know I say this every time, but it, the guests are just so fucking iconic. I just can't. It's so good. Mm. Today's episode is with the legendary GT Dave. GT Dave is revolutionizing the way people think and feel about kombucha and fermented foods. GT Dave is sharing a message and lifestyle with the world that food is medicine. As the founder and CEO of GT's Living Foods, the number one best-selling and most loved kombucha brand. GT has dedicated his life, his brand, and even his name on the label to the philosophy that Living Foods should be around us and in us to live happier and healthier lives. Get ready for this epic episode. Love you. Hi, and welcome, my dear. Hey, how are you, Saw? I'm good. You know, a little full today, back to back, and but good. How are you, my love? I'm doing well. I mean, I, I can relate to what you just said because I think it is Mercury retrograde. We're about to be. And okay. I think there's also like a moon situation going on today. So my husband warned me and said, hey, if things feel intense, there's a reason why. Just take a, mm. a deep breath. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice for the day for myself and anybody else listening. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your husband. How long have you guys been together? We have been together for, it will be, this October will be 10 years. Oh, shit. That we have been dating. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we have mm. been we have been engaged, or we got engaged, I should say. Um, I proposed on Valentine's Day 2017 in front of 
700 of my closest friends at one of my uh, somewhat famous parties that I throw every year, with the exception of last year, of course, called Cupid Stupid. So it's a Valentine's Day party that I originally designed for single people, but then parlayed it into something greater than that. Mm-hmm. And then we got married on uh, the first day of summer two years ago, June 20, uh, excuse me, June 22nd, 2019 in the beautiful island of Kauai, Hawaii. Oh my goodness. Why there? Um, for a lot of reasons. So Kauai was the first trip that my husband, Alan, and I took together mm-hmm. after being um, with each other for just a handful of months. Okay. We went for New Year's 2011 going to 2012. It was um, the first trip we had done together, the first time we had done mushrooms together, mm-hmm. our first time as adults on the island of Kauai, technically his first time, period. Uh-huh. Um, we went on a beautiful hike. And that evening of the first night there is when he told me he loved me. So that is the importance of the, the island as it respects to, as it applies to our relationship. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, it was the last trip I took with my mother, the last trip that he took with his father. We mm-hmm. have um, now a home there. So mm-hmm. there's there's just a lot of importance mm-hmm. about the island of Kauai. And, and as we were talking about a second ago, I'm a Scorpio. And um, Kauai is nicknamed uh, Scorpio Island. So it has also strong energy associated with those that are Scorpios. So there's a lot there, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing. Is it okay for me to ask you a question about the mushroom trip? Please. Because I, I'm sober four years, so I don't mm-hmm. partake into anything. But my boyfriend is really into ayahuasca and you know different kind of psychedelics. And I do have a lot of friends in the space who are interested in that too. Um, but can you, like, how was that, was that trip like insightful and filled with like wisdom? And do you think that psychedelics are a gateway to God and a gateway to, you know, awakening? Yes, but I I would actually, um, modify the way you phrase the question is Mm -hmm. I think calling them psychedelics is, I think, uh, this, uh, with all due respect, a little bit of a narrow label. I think That's I right. call them plant. I call them plant medicines. That's right. Um, and so I put, you know, marijuana, psilocybin, ayahuasca, peyote, San mm-hmm. Pedro. Um, I put those all in the plant medicine category. And this is something that I was taught because I did ayahuasca yeah. for the first time in 2017. Mm-hmm. And with the shaman who, those that are listening who have done ayahuasca know that you typically do it with a shaman. The mm-hmm. shaman who kind of interviewed us while we were interviewing him, if that makes sense, said the reason why ayahuasca and things similar to ayahuasca are called plant medicines is that drugs cause you to disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that's why people you know, escape with drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But these plant medicines, if done right, now anything can be abused, of mm-hmm. course, right? That's right. But when, when doing things properly with the right intentions and the right environment with the right people can be medicinal, mm-hmm. can be, you know, heart expanding, mind expanding, can make you more empathetic, more compassionate, more mm-hmm. self-aware, mm-hmm. kinder, you know, all these, of course, are good things. Mm-hmm. So back to your, your, original question about how is the mushroom trip? Mm-hmm. You know, it was really interesting. I, I've done mushrooms on and off for probably the last um, decade, two decades of my life, because mm-hmm. I was somewhat an early bloomer. Being uh, born and raised here in Los Angeles, you're exposed to a lot really early. That's right. So, I mean, I, I took my first puff of a joint when I was like 13 years old, mm-hmm. because I went to Beverly Hills High, which very much had the Drew Barrymore program, which is, you know, 
pot, acid, cocaine, all before the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw too. a lot. Been yeah. there too. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But what actually saved me, because as we know... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That can be a recipe for disaster because you're too young to know better. But what I think saved me in retrospect mm-hmm. is that my parents, specifically my mother, was very open to you know using nature and using certain substances to expand your mind mm-hmm. on the condition that that is your primary objective. She mm-hmm. was not a big believer in just recreationally doing things, which is mm-hmm. why I'm, I'm not an alcohol drinker. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just my personal opinion. I think alcohol really sometimes causes, brings you down instead of it brings you up. And that statement mm-hmm. means so much more than just the literal version, just a lot of just emotional spirituality, what have you. Anyway, right. um, so I've been doing mm-hmm. mushrooms on and off. Um, Alan, on the other hand, had never done mushrooms. Okay. And all he had done up to this point had done a little bit of marijuana. And he has dr- drug addiction in his family. So he was mm-hmm. really nervous. And I... I honestly was very um, conscientious about this or cognizant of this when we were having this experience together. As I said, listen, I'm not going to force it on you. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that here in nature, because we were in Kauai, on this hike that we're about to do that takes you to like a 200-foot waterfall, like we're not not going to like a rave. Mm -hmm. So what the mushrooms have done for me, and I strongly – believe they will do this for you, but again, not forcing this on you, is it will expand your relationship with Mm -hmm. Mother Nature, Mm -hmm. and you will be able to hear her in a way that you arguably can't hear her right now. Mm -hmm. And so when I presented that to him, he goes, okay, I'm in. Mm -hmm. So, and this is one of the reasons why I fell in love with my husband is that, you know, I'm a very open-minded individual. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly also a control freak, so I have kind of that duality, but I love when people are like, all right, I'm open to learn more. And that's mm-hmm. what Alan revealed within our er, first stage of our relationship. And so mm-hmm. we took the mushrooms, we went on this magical hike. Mm-hmm. And that's when he revealed to me his, you know, kind of uh, hidden love for nature. I remember, the, mm-hmm. the, the as if it was yesterday, I remember witnessing him roll around in the sand as if he was like a 10 year old boy and being fascinated by the power of the ocean and mm-hmm. the beauty of the sky and the strength of the mountains and everything else that we were experiencing in this environment in Kauai. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew that this he was somebody that I could spend the rest of my life with because we were on mm-hmm. the same page, mm-hmm. which you know is easier said than done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my God, what a beautiful story. And and just for the record too, for everybody listening, I've like done mushrooms, ayahuasca, I've sat with like uh, the shamans and I've sat with the Santo Daimi community. So I've done both spaces too. Whatever floats your boat, whatever way you're getting to God, whatever way you're expanding your heart and purifying your mind, do it. The only feedback I have when you're working with, and I like that you corrected me about using the word plant medicine. My boyfriend always uses that too. So thank you for bringing that up because I do know that this this is medicine. I do know that for a lot of people who are experiencing chronic mental illness, these could be like the gateway to a completely new found psychological stability. So yes, 
A hundred percent. What I do have to just always inform the audience too, it's you can't just rely on plant medicine for your freedom. You do need to have a mental health hygiene that includes breathing, exercising, meditating, praying, being of service to others. You Good can't, food. That's right. Exactly. Kombucha. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. For benefits, <laughs> you know what I mean? We need all of that in order for us to be able to like really enter to, into, into a, 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 a new perspective that it can't be taken away from us anymore. You know, what I've seen so sometimes is people going to the into the into this realm of 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 plant medicine and, and that becomes their life. And and I applaud you if that becomes your life. You know, live your fantasy. That's what I tell everybody. Live your fantasy out loud. Everything is allowed. And just notice if you're completely relying on that to get you close to God, to get you close to your heart, to get you close to like a relaxed state of, of being, you know. Um, so just notice how you, how you, what happens to you a week after, are you, are you feeling better? Are you doing better? Are you more compassionate to other people? Are you looking at the homeless person on the street and seeing their suffering as part of your own? Are you, you know, really recognizing the, 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 the fabric that we're all profoundly interconnected with. And I think a lot of the plant medicines, they do open us up to that beautiful, you know, grid that we're profoundly interconnected, uh, to. So I agree. Yeah. And I love that you say that, by the way, because I'll, I'll add to that Please. because, again, I've done I've done ayahuasca three times over the course of four years. Mm. Um, but I have witnessed others that have used ayahuasca or other plant medicines as a little bit of a crutch. That's right. And I, I've had friends that have done ayahuasca and do ayahuasca almost every three months. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just like everything in this world, you can abuse sex, you can abuse food, you can abuse things that serve a purpose to make us healthier, happier, and better people. Mm-hmm. But if you overuse it, your medicine can become your poison. That's right. And so I've noticed even with the, mm-hmm. those that have you know, started doing ayahuasca every three months, at a certain point, it was like you've complete, you've turned this into a recreational experience and you have like shut off mm-hmm. the messages and information that's, that's mm-hmm. supposed to come to you and that you're supposed to process. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe at a, at a a, a maximum, you should not take do ayahuasca or any of these really great, big experiences. First of all, you have to have an intention that you're looking to address. Mm-hmm. And second of all, no more than once a year, because they really, even today, because the last time I did ayahuasca was at the beginning of this year, and it was candidly in response to COVID and just call it the very divided world that I think last year brought us, politics, BLM, mm-hmm. COVID, you name it. I think we all went through it. That's and right. I, w- I was searching for the light because mm-hmm. I felt that the, the world had become so dark. Mm-hmm. And my intention for this last ceremony of ayahuasca is that it felt like no good deed went unpunished. And you know, I, I'm proud to say that I really lead with my heart, but I felt that even last year, those that led with their heart really weren't even safe because mm-hmm. every, you know, it was all like all bets were off. Everybody could be attacked mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So that was my intention. And, and even today, which of course is now we're in June, so we're six months after I've done it. Mm-hmm. Every day it's, I'm still getting what we call downloads or messages mm-hmm. or little insights that are still informing my behavior, mm-hmm. not only in my personal life, but even as important as in my professional life. Mm-hmm. Of course. Wow. That's so big. And I, I always reference Uh, you know, a 30-day meditation retreat that I did in Kathmandu, Nepal in 2014, I still get the hits, the downloads from that time, you know? Um, So milk it, right? We have to like 
really be with it and and continuously open ourselves up to continuously receive these messages. But here's the thing, though. We've gotten into a whole, you know, all this delicious, juicy, amazing stuff. But I haven't even asked you the first question on the podcast, which I always ask every guest. (laughs) Who are you right now? Who are you in this very moment? Who am I right now? Well, I am a uh, business owner. Mm -hmm. I am a um, happy husband. Mm -hmm. I am a proud parent. Mm -hmm. I just had uh, my first baby boy born um, about uh, actually six weeks to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am a compassionate, empathetic, self-aware, loving human being. Mm-hmm. That knows that I'm far from perfect, mm-hmm. so I am have don't feel that I've arrived. Mm-hmm. I feel that I'm still en route, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Of course, but um, you know I'm here to 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 give and get love, mm-hmm. which is I think honestly all we're here for. Now I know that's easier said than done, but it is a daily practice and mm-hmm. a uh, a conscious effort that I implement and apply to my daily life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that and. To give and receive love, I I say this very edgy statement that we're all whores for liberation and whores for contribution. Like we want to become free and we want to contribute. That's just like part of our nature. We all are seeking ways for us to experience deep, profound love for ourselves and then finding ways to offer and contribute that back into the world. Um, So I love that you said that. And I do want to ask about the season that you're in life right now. I always, I always, uh, you know, share it with the audience. It's like nothing blooms all year. You know, we're constantly expecting ourselves to be in this, like, you know, always producing and contributing to this extent, you know, would you, would you say that you are in like a good season in your life right now? Um, Is it hard season for you? (laughs) No, 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 you know, honestly, so again, I don't want to sound redundant, you know, being a Scorpio, Astrologically, mm. I am, am predisposed to be obsessed with life and death. Mm. And, you know, death is, a, I think, a very heavy term for some, but death to me is almost the end of something, but in a way, weird way, the beginning of something else, mm-hmm. almost happening simultaneously. Mm. And so I almost feel like every, you know, to be extreme, every minute or every hour is, is a new moment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm in this moment, I'm right here with you right now, mm-hmm. talking about things that I love and having kind of existential conversations and heart opening, you know, dialogue, which is one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my life is one that after this, this conversation, I may jump into something that I don't enjoy as much, which mm-hmm. is putting out a fire or solving a problem or, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding a near miss. That's, that's life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what I, I've learned in my recent adulthood is that you can't have the highs without the lows. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think that's important to recognize because that means you're, you have permission to embrace the lows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to see that they serve a purpose mm-hmm. that you need to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are in many ways reminders of to appreciate the highs. Mm-hmm. And that's how I live my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't get too low and I don't get too high. It's almost like steady Eddie Mm -hmm. because that allows me to be somewhat detached. Mm -hmm. um, But also at the same point, not 
you know, my, my life is not, I try to keep my life from not being like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. The word in Buddhist psychology is called equanimity. And I believe that's going to be the new self-love, you know, it's this having this uh, psychological stability to be able to handle the highs and the lows with, with, with poise, with it's a relaxed, harmonious state. Um, I love yes. that. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for uh, developing on this for us. I want to know about what was it like growing up gay in the 90s? Let's go for it. Okay. Well, the best way to sum it up is uh, it was not fun at all. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big believer that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's right. And, and I'm actually grateful for the experiences that I had mm -hmm. growing up in the 90s, mm -hmm. being a young gay boy here in mm -hmm. Los Angeles, which... Mm. You know, for those that are listening, you're probably thinking, come on, that's L.A., man. That's like not a difficult place to grow up gay. Well, I'm here to tell you that it actually was. Mm -hmm. And again, there's circumstances vary from day to day, case by case. So I can only speak to what I went through. That's um, right. And, you know, I, I went to Beverly Hills High, mm -hmm. which, yes, it's not lost to me. That's a very privileged high school. But ironically, and this might be a newsflash for a lot of people listening, Beverly Hills High, at least in the 90s, was not Beverly Hills 90210. It actually was the opposite. It, it was almost like Dangerous Minds, that that Michelle Pfeiffer movie, where everybody <laughs> wanted to be a gangster. Mm. Everybody wanted to be a thug. Um, mm -hmm. It was, you know, the, you certainly had certain cliques, and you had your theater kids, you had your your kind of geeks and nerds, you had your, um, you know, gangsters, and then you had kind of your athletes. Mm -hmm. And I came from a um, a Catholic school where it was very small, and so. I didn't really have all these different cliques. There was just kind of one and we were all the same. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really fit in mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. And then now if you layer in the gay quality, it was really interesting because, you know, my first year in high school being freshman, mm. it was pretty obvious to a lot, everybody, boy or girls, mm. that I had a natural charm and therefore I had a lot of friends. However, they happened to be all female. And, you know, in a, in a straight world, you see this young guy with, you know, I think what some people would call it my harem, mm -hmm. where I had like, you know, 10, 20, even 30 girlfriends that were, by the way, like the prettiest girls, the sweetest girls, like mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. And as we know, and I'm sure you can relate or anybody else can relate is it starts off as like, yo, man, you're a player. Like you got all these girls, they're on your <laughs> jock, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then, you know couple months passed and they're like yo you're 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 not banging those girls what's up and then then from there they're like yo man yo are you gay and next thing you know and that's not like a positive question <laughs> that was like a little bit of the um you know a little bit of the crucible so to speak like that was they're ready to get it's like about to get you're getting ex revealed or mm -hmm. exposed mm -hmm. and so the second then it was like yeah he's gay and then that, when the bullying happened and mm. being basically ostracized from whatever clique I was participating in at the time, mm -hmm. um, I even had a horrible experience where this was in my sophomore year. Mm. I had, um, I finally met a, a, a guy friend. I finally made a fr friends with another a guy that was my age. Mm -hmm. And he happened to be the brother of the most popular guy in school. Mm. Um, and so naturally I was like, wow, this feels so unusual. Cause I went from having no guy friends 
to having a really good guy friend and he happens to be like kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I was excited about it and somewhat even nervous about it. And over the course of our relationship, he um, he actually came on to me a couple okay. of times. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And the first time was really subtle. Mm. Second time was more overt. But each time in, in my heart, I was like, you know, I, I don't want this. I, I just want, I want a friend. Mm. And so I naturally politely kind of sidestepped the advance. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the last advance, I think, um, embarrassed him. And the next thing I knew, mm. he was no longer talking to me. And um, shortly thereafter, I found out from our little circle of friends that he had told everybody that I had, quote unquote, fagged out on him. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And then I had made a move on. Mm. Yeah, I had made a move on him, which of course I got rejected. And that's why he is no longer hanging out with me. And so everybody, you know, who are you going to believe, the gay boy or the, the mm. cool straight kid? Mm-hmm. So naturally, whatever friendships I had from there went from whatever they were to nothing, mm-hmm. which is a sad story, to be honest. But there is an upside. The upside mm-hmm. is I that was one of the like three reasons that I won't bore you with the other two that I ended up dropping out of high school. Mm-hmm. I took my GED. Mm-hmm. Um, that was going to be my so, next question, but keep going. You're already there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I said, I said, fuck you and fuck this. Mm-hmm. And I basically said, I don't want to be in an environment mm-hmm. where I'm going to be bullied or dismissed mm-hmm. That's right, honey. Or, That's right. Or attacked. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn a page and I'm going to create my own world. Mm-hmm. And I went to my parents who I was nervous about how they were going to receive this request, but I said, I want to mm-hmm. drop out of high school and I want to start city college next semester and I want to be with people who want to be good people and and, and want to learn mm-hmm. because in high school of course Beverly Hills High it's all these rich kids they don't want to be there and candidly they don't even need to be there they're all going to inherit their parents companies or fortune mm-hmm. I on the other hand I wasn't that wealthy I we were more just comfortable than anything so I didn't even have that luxury so I knew that I was potentially because at the time in high school I was ditching a lot of class so I was going nowhere fast and then I asked myself for what I don't even like these people. Mm-hmm. So I left, started City College, and then cut to kombucha came into my life, and I was ready and willing mm-hmm. to take that next journey. And 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 because of everything I just shared, I was was I had nothing to lose, mm-hmm. which is very liberating. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you, there's so much that I want to unpack here. This is so delicious. One question that's coming up immediately: How the fuck did you get exposed to kombucha in that? in that time like of yeah. course you are you know you are the the leading brand the icon you've made kombucha cool everybody knows about kombucha because of your company so thank yeah. god for you thank god for that so that's one point but what i want to know have you been able to forgive that motherfucker from high school <laughs> well yes i do believe in i i believe in forgiveness okay good um, yes <laughs> so let me answer both questions so first yeah. of all i mean yeah. i was very blessed to have um very open-minded, spiritual, and progressive parents that raised me a vegetarian and exposed me to so many different unique ways of eating that today are just starting to become popular, right? Um, Similar has like plant-based 20 years ago was kind of just like this little kooky thing that people were doing, but it's not 
kind of the impressive um, experience or, or lifestyle or movement that we're seeing today, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So kombucha was one of those kind of unusual things that my parents brought into the household. Mm-hmm. And they started making it and drinking it in the early 90s. And I was able to witness my mother um, overcome her battle with breast cancer because kombucha helped her stay strong. It wasn't the only thing that she was doing, but it was one of the main things that her and the doctors are credited for helping her body be resilient to this cancer. That's right. Um, and, and then I started to drink it and I fell in love with it and I wanted to share it with the world. Um, and so it really was, I was 15 years old when I was doing this. So it was by no means like this Shark Tank idea that I woke up and I was like, I'm going to get rich and I'm going to have a product and I'm going to get investors. It was like, I love this. I'm going to make it for my parents' kitchen and sell it at the local health food store. And if I make one bottle that helps one person, then I have made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Amazing. Ah, tell me about the forgiveness piece. You've forgiven so, him? Mm. I have forgiven him. Um, so he actually reached out to me, believe it or not, in 2010. Okay. Because I there was a big uh, story that my company and my products were a part of that I think, you know, really got gave us much more publicity. It was like a Yahoo Financial uh, cover story or something like that. And he read it, and within days he reached out to me on Facebook, and he was just like, "Hey, just want to congratulate you on your success. It's so great to see that you're doing well." Um, you know, I would love to see you at some time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just wrote back and I didn't say, oh, you asshole, you're the reason why. Mm-hmm. I just said, thank you so much for your kind words. I hope you're doing well and I wish you the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly don't want to hang out with him. So mm-hmm. that was basically the subliminal message in that very kind response. That's right. But the reason why I have already forgiven him even before he reached out is that, and I've heard this in, with others too. So this is in many ways not something unique about me, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe you have to, and this goes back to what we're talking about, about dealing with the lows, Mm -hmm. is you have to see these moments. And sometimes you don't see them as they're happening, Mm -hmm. but hopefully shortly thereafter, you recognize that he was instrumental in in helping me grow and evolve to who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. He was a catalyst Mm -hmm. that sparked something that potentially wouldn't have happened on its own. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And so for through that gratitude, I have forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And through that gratitude, I have, in weird ways, appreciation mm-hmm. for what happens because it goes back to that everything happens for a reason. That's right. if you, and then you have to look into it and make sure that you extract that reason. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love this. And for, for everyone listening, you probably already know this about my story too, but it was in 20... Uh, 12, fall of 2012, I was bought out of the company that I had started when I was 23 with two of my best friends. And that betrayal, it took me about two years to forgive them, maybe a little longer. Um, yeah. And But now, thank God that happened because otherwise I would still be in fashion. It was because of the, because of the, 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 what that erupted, depression and anxiety and you know, all the things that were like under the surface became more evident. And that's when I decided to go to India. And so I'm so grateful for that. You know, oftentimes I say, you know, trauma is a blessing in drag. Uh, we often yeah. can't see <laughs> it. We can't see it right away. But later on in life, we're like, oh, okay, there it is. And and I reflected this on a, on a post recently. I said, your ability to give your past your past experiences, new meaning is directly connected to the depth of your spiritual liberation. 
So the more relaxed you are, the more at home in your body you are, the more you've purified your mind, the more you've opened your heart, the better you will be at giving new meaning to your past. Okay, that was traumatic. And now you're actually looking at it with gratitude, with acceptance, with love. And, and you're like, wow, that was like the catalyst to, you know, helping me to be where I'm at today. How wonderful is that? You know, so keep this yeah. in mind, everybody. Like it's, it's, it really, there is something really potent there about being able to, to give new meaning to your past, you know, when you are really, really deeply rooted in the present, really, really deeply rooted in your, in your heart, you know? Uh, so yeah. thank you for saying that, my love. That's beautiful. Of course. Um, I have a question. Tell me about coming out because I think a lot of people who are in the heteronormative space, they are not aware of that, of what that experience is like, of having to like, you know, although our parents kind of already know and our, our close friends kind of already know, if we have siblings, they're kind of already know. But the fact that we do have to speak our identity into existence more fully, um, given the societal norm, um, you know, at some point, straight people need to be coming out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to change the paradigm. You got to come out to us, honey. Otherwise, we, you know, otherwise we assume everybody is part of the uh, a part of the, the queer community. Uh, so tell me about your coming out story. What was it like? And if the more details, you know, the more, if you want to paint us a picture, fabulous. Absolutely. So again, um, this story will marry well with what I just shared about dropping out of high school because mm -hmm. it really was this um, culmination of events. So when I was being call it, called out at school for being gay, I wasn't out um, on my own. My parents, as you said, probably could read between the lines, but as we know, our wonderful mothers and fathers say a prayer and say like, I just hope this is a phase or I just hope he, you know, he's going to, he's going to get more masculine later on, or he'll start dating girls at some point. You know, he's just a late bloomer. You know, they, they make excuses. And so I think my parents were certainly doing that, but I actually came out at a very young age. I was 13 years old. Okay. And I came out against my will. Hmm. And so what happened was, is my, um, my father was married before my mother and had two kids in that marriage, mm -hmm. a daughter and a son. Mm. And then of course my mother came along and him and my father, my mother and my father got together and then he left his first marriage, which, you know, again, I wasn't there. My mother has one story saying, you know, that it was meant to be and she didn't know he was married and blah, blah, blah. And by the time she found out she was already in love. Mm. But then obviously if you look to, if I was to ask, my father's first wife, she would say, nope, your mom's a homewrecker. So I get that there's three sides to every story. Mm -hmm. The reason why I point that out is that I think because of those circumstances, my half sister, so the, the daughter of my father's first marriage, mm -hmm. had a little bit of a vendetta. I think she wanted to return the favor. I think she saw that my mother was a homewrecker and that she and my sister wanted to wreck my home. Mm. And so what she did, uh, and, I, and again, this has been many years since it's happened, so I've been able to process it, dissect it study it, mm -hmm. you know, all those things that we just mm -hmm. talked about, forgive it. Mm -hmm. But my, my sister, the long and the short basically lured me into this conversation that started with her revealing that she had bisexual tendencies that was revealed through dreams that she recently had of being with um, another woman. Mm -hmm. And she sh revealed this to me in a very intimate environment. Her and I were having dinner mm -hmm. and it, I didn't know at the time, but she was using this story as a little bit of bait. 
She wanted to pull me into the conversation and then quickly turn the spotlight on me. Mm-hmm. Because after sharing with me her heterosex, her, excuse me, her, her homosexual desires, she then asked me if I had any. And so, you know, my sister and I were very, uh, there's a very, very, very big age gap between us. So at the time I was 13, she was probably 23, if not 25 attorney, like already like an adult. So she knew she was very calculated. She knew exactly what she was doing. Mm. Um, wow. She then asked me, mm. you know, mm. what I would do if I would, I, if I had, would have any desires or would I, was I predisposed or even just open to being with the same sex. And so, you know, I wanted to reciprocate with her vulnerability that she demonstrated with me. And I, so naturally I said, yes, I would be open to being with the same sex. And then from that answer came all these other questions about how, when, to what extent, you know, getting a little graphic with like, you know, would you have anal sex and all those things that mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't be asking a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. And I just played along. I answered her questions the best to my ability, but what she did is she took my answers and she kind of exaggerated them. And next thing I knew about six months after this conversation, mm-hmm. she had spun this weird web of lies of telling my brothers and my parents that not only was I gay, but I was actively gay meaning I was actively having sex at the age of 13, mm-hmm. which whether you're gay or straight, that's, a, you know, 13 is really young to have sex. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of drugs, which wasn't the case. And I was basically engaging in, in unsafe behavior. So she used this somewhat um, fabricated story to then now present this case to my parents as saying, hey, he's gay and we need to put an end to it because... Mm. He could die of AIDS. You know, again, this is the 90s. Mm-hmm. He could die of AIDS. Something really bad could happen. We need to intervene. So this intervention that they created at the dinner time essentially was my coming out. Oh, my and God. It w- I felt like I was on trial. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting there. To my left is my sister. To the front of me are my brothers, which were like the jury. Mm-hmm. And then to the right of me was like my parents, which were like the judge. And, you know, it was almost like a tennis match. My head was going back and forth with listening to my sister, Mm. looking at my parents and how they were reacting. And Mm -hmm. what really was what kind of was like the gut punch Mm -hmm. was that I remember as she was, again, spinning these webs of web of lies, I looked over at my parents and the, the amount of anger, resentment and disgust that filled their, their eyes and their faces as they were looking at me. Mm -hmm really wrecked me of course because in my mind i'm doing the math like wait guys she's clearly lying mm-hmm. um if you knew the story you would if you knew the real story this conversation wouldn't even exist right now mm-hmm. and by the way like i'm your son and and because they asked me I, the moment that really kind of pushed me over the limit is when they said with absolute disgust gt is this true Like Mm. as if I had like murdered somebody. And I said, is what true? And they said, do you like guys? Mm. And, you know, in retrospect, the way they frame Mm. that question, like, Mm. do you like guys? Like what's harm in that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I confidently responded. Yes. Wow. What's the problem? And of course, Mm. insanity ensued after that. And I was grounded for the rest of the summer. Mm. But it was my liberation because that dovetailing with eventually dropping out of high school, Mm. I was in my mind ground zero. So as I said, I had nothing to lose and I had nobody to disappoint because apparently I had disappointed everybody already. Mm -hmm. And that became the beginning of my path. And that's what my brand, product, company and new life Mm -hmm. was born from. Which again, going back to the conversation of forgiveness, which is why I forgive her, Mm -hmm. my sister, Mm -hmm. for betraying me, 
for mm-hmm. luring me in, for, for putting me through entrapment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I forgive my parents for having that reaction. Mm-hmm. And I forgive all of that. And in many ways, I'm thankful. Because honestly, if I wasn't kicked out of the closet at the age 13, I don't know when I would have come out. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what the world would have held for me. I love my life today. So everything that led to who I am today, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I'm a little bit speechless because I can like see the, thank you for painting such an articulate picture for us. Like, wow, being pushed out of the closet when we're not ready could be one of the catalysts to having somebody have a mental breakdown and sort of go deep into suicidal ideation and, you know, get wrapped up in really destructive behavior um, I didn't have that exact experience, but I've had multiple times parent, friends of my parents say something to them about me. And, you know, I've had this one time, one person who actually, this was a, actually a, an angel. He didn't know how much harm that was in that. But later on, I was like, okay, this was very beneficial. He told me to stop swinging my arms when I walked, because if I kept swinging my arms and my hips when I walked, people would, would know that I was gay and don't do that because you're going to get yourself, you're going to get in trouble. He, the way he said it, I was like, oh, he's looking out for me. Later on, I came to realize that that was like very violent um, language, yeah. you know? So, wow. And and thank you for, for continuously introducing and reintroducing the the forgiveness into the space because I think so many of us in the, in the queer community um, have to use forgiveness as the pathway to accept a, 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 a pervasive level of ignorance that is in our yes. society. Um, so yes. thank you for saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a specific like forgiveness ritual that you do, or is there a prayer or a meditation, um, something that you've done that, that, that you could share with us? Is there a specific practice? Yes, absolutely. And I'm happy to share. It really is just involves reflecting. Mm on the situation and the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, coming from a place of detachment, meaning that, again, as I said, I, I believe there's three sides to every story. It's your side, the other party side, and then the truth. So you kind of have to understand, like, okay, why did this happen? What role did I play in it? Mm-hmm. Because, again, even with just using the random example of the coming out, like even with my sister is, I allowed her to be close into my world to allow me to be vulnerable to her that put me in that situation that she ultimately exploited. Mm -hmm. So do I need to learn from that? Do I need to have higher trust criteria? Mm -hmm. Do I need, you know, all of that. So Mm -hmm. going back to your question, so it really is kind of reflecting, analyzing, assessing, studying all the different moving parts that, that transpire in these events Mm -hmm that at the time can feel really heart-wrenching and really kind of can break you down and kick you down. But, you know, going back to like we were saying earlier about the death, I think sometimes you just have to turn the page and say, all right, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really having that, you know, that kind of spiritual and emotional confidence to say, I will take this bad and make it good and it will make me stronger. Mm-hmm. And I will now learn from it because I'm also a big believer that there really are no mistakes unless you don't learn from them. Mm-hmm. Again, everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. but you got to learn from it, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I want to um, echo the true meaning of forgiveness for everybody who's like struggling with that. The true meaning of forgiveness is to release 
the desire to punish, releasing the desire to punish. So if someone uh, caused you harm, when you say I forgive you, you're releasing the desire to punish them. You're not taking, uh, you're not, you're not taking responsibility away from the harm that they've caused you, but you're choosing to not add more pain because people only cause pain to other people because they're in pain themselves. We and same thing with forgiving yourself is you're releasing the desire to punish yourself. We do have to open ourselves up to a restorative justice perspective into our inner lives, into our external lives. You know this punitive justice perspective that that's so pervasive in our world uh causing pain to those who are in pain you know punishing those who've caused pain all of this stuff is not restoring peace in the world you know this is creating more chaos more confusion exactly. more separateness um so i just always want to emphasize that like if you're struggling with forgiveness you you have to recognize that it's such a brave act to say i'm no longer going to perpetuate the cycle of harm I'm choosing to stop the cycle of harm from going forward and stops with me. Um, and then you put a comma where there was initially a period. You say, this happened and then, bitch, guess what I did with that shit? You know what I mean? Yes, turning pain yeah. into poetry. And in your case, uh, turning that pain into an iconic kombucha brand uh, that is so, so inspiring. So I want to ask you about what is it, how is it like to be such a prominent uh, leader in this space and being, you know, a queer part of the community, honey. So tell me about that. Yeah. And cause I want to inspire all the queer listeners to know that like they could, they could take refuge in, in, in your, in your work and, and be inspired by what you're doing and really like learn from someone like you. Uh, and so I just want to, you know, first celebrate the fact that you've, you've done such an incredible job with your life. Um, and, Thank God for that, you know. So, but walk me through your mind a little bit. What is it like to to really see like walk into every supermarket across America and see your product everywhere, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it's certainly a blessing and it's certainly something that never in my wildest dreams did I ever expect. Um, supermarkets, and, gas and, stations, bodegas, I, it goes on and yeah. on. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean... Listen, when I sold in my first delivery to Air One, which was the store that I would shop at as a young boy, like that was it. That's all I needed. Mm -hmm. So everything from that point forward was a was a bonus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I never really was uh, striving for any major fortune, fame or anything that I think I've now experienced. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, I, I try to not lead with my ego and I try, try to lead with, I just, you know, I just want to do good. And I want to, and I want to have somewhat managed expectations because I think that's a lot of times can breed discontent or disappointment. If you're like, oh, I need to be a global brand in the next mm -hmm. three years. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I was like, I just want to be a global brand in this one store. <laughs> and then now in these two stores. Mm -hmm. So I think to answer your question more specifically, it feels like a dream come true. Therefore, mm -hmm. I pinch myself every day. Mm -hmm. I never mm -hmm. take it for granted. Mm -hmm. I know that easy come, easy go. The quicker it came, the faster it could leave. Mm -hmm. And to just savor every moment, but also see that it really is a gift. Mm -hmm. And it's a gift that, yes, I worked really hard for, so you could argue that I earned it. Mm -hmm. But candidly saw there's, there's nothing really special about me mm -hmm. like th there's like 
other people could have done what I've done. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, and, and I recognize that, right? It's not like I'm super special. I think I was more blessed than anything. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I still take this position of humility. Mm -hmm. I still think that, you know, I, I'm, and that's why I said earlier, I'm still growing, I'm still learning, I'm still in route mm -hmm. to what I believe is my better self, because mm -hmm. I don't think self-improvement is a destination. It's the proverbial journey. Mm -hmm. So it feels great. But at the same time, um, what also helps with my humility is that, as you know, when you're the first, you're the mm -hmm. first to take the shots. Mm -hmm. You're the first for people wanting to dethrone you, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of times comes at spreading lies or misinformation or just doing underhanded things. Because, you know, as much as I love kombucha and the fact that I was able to spearhead kombucha here in the U.S., it has become a category. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that it's a category that makes money. Mm -hmm. It's a category that um, supports growth and all these things, which by the way, big corporations can smell that stuff from a mile away. Mm -hmm. So what's happening now, which is a daily challenge, and again, something that I embrace, mm. is that you know people are, these big brands are trying to come in and essentially hijack the narrative and say that you know kombucha isn't this beautiful, authentic, ceremonial tradition that you consume for health reasons. They're trying to essentially wipe that whole story and say, no, it's just, it's just a cool new age soda. Oh, wow. And that's why it can be sold in a can and sold for, you know, $1.99 and doesn't need to be in the refrigerator. And mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it's pasteurized or maybe it's hyper filtered and maybe it doesn't have any probiotics. And, and you know what? Maybe it's not even kombucha, but we will put kombucha on the label because that's easy for us because mm -hmm. we can mm -hmm. and it allows us to make the most amount of money. Mm. So it's this it's this arm wrestle, if mm. you will, mm -hmm. between us at GT's Living Foods mm -hmm. and all these other beautiful, because I'm very grateful to say that I've, I've been able to create a lot of other, inspire a lot, of, a lot of other companies and people to make kombucha the right way. So it's really kind of us on one side, but then we're we're fighting what we believe is like the commoditization and bastardization of kombucha. That's right. Which in many ways, the reason why, you know, I, I'm nervous, but also ready to, to kind of go to war, if you will, mm -hmm. is because as a consumer, I've seen it in so many other worlds. I've seen it with coconut water, cold brew, coffee, mm -hmm. fresh pressed juice. These were all really beautiful things that had a purpose. Mm -hmm. But big brands, big corporations jumped in and just exploited them. Mm -hmm. And those three categories I just referenced are no longer what they once were. Now, kombucha has lived a much healthier and brighter life over the course of the two and a half decades and, and more, because when I first started, I was never looking to exploit it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, in the last five, maybe even seven years, it has been exploited. And we all need to work together to preserve it and protect it, because in many ways, What's happening to kombucha is what's kind of already happened to our food system. You know, oh, whether shit. you eat meat or you mm -hmm. don't, you know, mm -hmm. the f the meat factory or the farm factories where we buy our meat and other things that our food comes from, it's our food system is broken and, and kombucha, unfortunately, is being pulled into that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So keeps me humble for sure. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for educating me on this. I kind of... Um, you know, I shop at Air One. I was literally, hello, <laughs> you know, have a smoothie from Air One. Um, yeah. So I, and just, I'm kind of, you know, Air One was my first store. I know you Did told you know me that? that's yeah. so incredible. Yeah. Like I, I feel like so sheltered and I'm not able to, I, I don't usually go to bigger grocery stores to see how things are, are being 
mass produced in that way. Uh, so I feel a little ignorant in that space. So thank you for educating me in that. Like, that's really interesting to think that people are trying to take the ritual out of making kombucha and taking the medicine out of, out of uh, kombucha, you know, to yeah. just like make money. Uh, very interesting, but so true to the capitalist world that we live in. Um, yeah, exactly. Wow. Can you tell us like what, what's one piece of advice that you could give to a young person who wants to start a business? Um, like what's one thing that really helped you that you could offer? And I know it's like a big question and it was like a multitude of many small steps that led you to be such an iconic brand. Um, but if there's one thing, you know, that like when people ask me, what, what would you say helped you to be a, a spiritual guide? I said, to, oh, you have this huge audience, you write these books, you do these talks, you're working with these celebrities, you're doing these things like, what worked, what helped me was to work with one-on-one clients. So much so, uh, five clients a day for two years, I got to really test my material. I got to really be at these people's homes, get to know their minds, get to know, um, you know, the human condition more fully before I went on to like speak in into these like larger spaces, you know? So that's my recipe when someone wants to like work in the in the in the healing wellness spiritual space um, as a teacher as a guide and have a, a big audience to them. Uh, so that's my feedback when people ask me about that. What would you say something that people could um, could could learn from? Yeah, well, first of all, I love what you just shared and and resonate with it quite a bit. Um, mine is, I mean, I I, I think about this a lot because I am fortunate to in recent years be in a position where you know, the youth and even the young LGBTQ plus community comes to me with these questions. So I've been able to somewhat form an answer. Mm -hmm. So the answer is quite simple. It's that do what you love, mm -hmm. do what makes the planet and people's lives better mm -hmm. and everything else will fall into place. Because again, like that is why, and I didn't know it at the time, but I think that's why when I first started, as I said, I wasn't trying to get rich. I was trying to do something that I loved, mm -hmm. that I believe could help others. Mm -hmm. And that, and period, that's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and so that, to this day, is very much my mission. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps me. It helps me stay focused. It's mm -hmm. in many ways my North Star. Mm -hmm. It helps me overcome temptation. Mm -hmm. of And temptation is a lot of things. Temptation and getting caught up in, you know, my ego, my, the things that I have, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and let it kind of cloud my thinking. Mm -hmm. And instead I just, you know, I try to stay as grounded as possible as I was that first day when I delivered my first bottle. Mm -hmm. And that's who I strive to be. Mm -hmm. um, because again, it, it really, you have to ask yourself, like, what do you want out of this life? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to lose loved ones in my, my life and I've, mm -hmm. I've lost them at really early stages of my life. For mm. instance, I lost my brother, Justin, when I was uh, 17 and he was 22. Oh my God. He died of, yeah, he died of cancer. And I'm not saying this to bring the conversation down. I'm no, 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 this is, this is, there's no, we don't, yeah, this is all fair game. And this is, this is the place for us. So please, wow. I'm... <sighs> mm. So, so yeah, so um, the reason I bring this up is that See, you know, seeing anybody on death's door death's doorstep is a big deal. But certainly, when you see somebody who is your age or in proximity to your age, who's young, and thinks that time was on their side, and they essentially had indefinite amount of time to live their life and make something out of their life, mm -hmm. to witness that my brother unfortunately did not have that luxury, 
and that I could see in his eyes and more importantly in his heart that things that he thought was important were no longer important now that he was facing death. Mm. And that in many ways is the psychology that I subscribe to now is that I, I want, if and I know it sounds cheesy, but if today was my last day mm-hmm. on this planet, mm-hmm. would I have any regrets? Mm. Or would I say I've lived my life to the fullest, mm-hmm. I've loved everybody that I've loved, mm-hmm. I've been kind, mm-hmm. I've been compassionate. Mm-hmm. Those are really the things that I've seen firsthand through these people that have passed away is that is at the forefront of their mind. It's not how much money do I have in my bank account? Mm-hmm. How great did I look on that cover of the magazine or, mm-hmm. you know, how how great was my fame and fortune? It really is the, the small things that mm-hmm. I think we take for granted is, did I really love the people I love and let them know that I love them? And did I really, was I really a good person? Mm-hmm. And am I going to be remembered as a good person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I live my life. And and that's why, again, going back to this conversation of gratitude, mm-hmm. That's why I'm, I'm grateful in a weird way that I was able to witness the death of my young brother, Justin, at the age mm-hmm. that I did. Mm-hmm. It could have destroyed me. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I embraced it and I turned it into a positive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's full. We know I was just talking to, to my guru earlier today and she's going to be on a podcast. Uh, you know, I'm so grateful that she agreed to be on a podcast. Um, she was telling me, I mean, uh, uh, one part of the work of within the the scriptures and within my own mental uh, landscape of curiosity is death. Uh, you know, understanding the process of, of dying and, and, you know, dancing with death and uh, connecting to death. And, you know, I de- I do take a vow every morning that says, I know that I may die today. And because of that, may I only do the things that matter most to me. I mean, these things have the greatest impact on the lives of as many people as possible. That really orients my mind. You know, yeah. that really orients yeah. my mind and, and echoes what you said about like, did I live today as the best I could? Did I love deeply? Was I kind? Did I make people feel safe around me? You know, did my presence radiate um, kindness and, and safety and relaxation and ease? Or did I add stress? Did I add harm and disharmony to the world? Uh, so I yes. love that. And, you know, what she's going to be talking about on the podcast is about the process of, of death and dying and uh, you know, part of part of something that I, I'm wanting to do in the next year or so is go live at the House of the Dying, Mother Teresa's home in Calcutta, um, where, you know, people to, to really study death and to really study it closely and really like be educated and, and in, at some point be inspired. So then I can really, uh, you know, invite the audience, start to educate the audience to stop neglecting this event that we're all required to attend, you know, death, yes. yeah. uh, to stop it. Like we have to stop neglecting this, this iconic event that we all must attend. Um, so right. my goal is to then go, go spend some time there a few months, at least working with this um, very, very oppressed, a uh, very, very, un, uh, uh, you know, underprivileged community uh, who, who are dying on the streets of Kolkata, who now have this home to spend the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months of their lives there. So I'm, I'm very, very excited for that. That's like, it's been so, I'm so glad you brought this up um, on the podcast. Thank you, dear. I want to talk to you about um, um, your giving back initiative that you're now giving scholarships and tell me about that for the, for the, for the gay community. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a big believer that charity begins at home. Mm. Um, Mm. And I think what's important for businesses and 
um, business people to recognize is you always have to give back to those that supported you. Mm. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for my, my gayness, if you will, as well as my relationship with the gay and LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it really is, I, I think sometimes we can overuse the word community, but mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ plus, it really is a community. That's right. Um, and w- which the reason why I love the, the rainbow that of course is the iconic, you know, mascot, if you will, it really, what I love about it is that there's all these different colors in a rainbow. And that's what I believe is a metaphor for not only the, you know, let's just call it the gay community, but we know that includes everybody, but even just the world, mm-hmm. like we all have so many different colors, mm-hmm. but together we make a rainbow together. Mm-hmm. We're singular. Mm. Um, so back to your question is, you know, because of that, I, you know, I, I again, I want to make the world a better place as cheesy as that sounds. Say it, honey. And, Say it. Yes. yes. <laughs> and as, as, and there's so many ways to do that. But I believe in staying focused. And as I said, I believe charity begins at home. So mm-hmm. I know that when I was a kid, that I, there really wasn't many gay leaders to look up to. That's right. Um, and I think in many ways, that's why my parents freaked out when I came out. Because God bless them. What did, you know, if you think about it, what did they have to reference? They had to reference, the, you know, the, the gay stereotypes that, that I think the media at the time was, was promoting and focusing on. And, but they didn't have any alternative examples mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, was there a gay president? Was there, you know, a gay leader? Was there something that someone in the LGBTQ plus community has done that whether you're in that community or not, you're grateful for that? Mm. And at the time, the answer is no. And even to this day, we've certainly been blessed. Like Tim Cook of Apple is, is an open gay businessman, but it, it still feels like the conversation is very narrow or even very abbreviated. And so I really want to open it up. That's right. And because, you know, I've been, I'm, I've been blessed to be a young entrepreneur. I think in many ways that gives me a re- relatability that perhaps somebody that was in my position that like is 50, 60, 70 years old, there's a little bit more of a generation gap. That's right. I feel that I'm positioned nicely to inspire and connect with the youth mm-hmm. and lend them a hand, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and guide them to where they want to be or where they can be in their life. Mm-hmm. And if there's an obstacle in their way, perhaps I could be a facilitator to clear that obstacle. Mm-hmm. So that's really all it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a, a vanity project. This mm-hmm. is not, look at me, look how great I am. Mm-hmm. It really is just, again, going back to just spreading love. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And thank you so much, uh, Gigi, for doing that. That's so powerful. Um, we're coming up to our last few questions. Tell me what makes you feel sexy every day. Top thing that makes you feel sexy every day. Wow. Um, there's actually quite a bit that makes me feel sexy, but okay. I mean, this is not really a sexy answer though, but, but there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a really uh, good answer though. Everybody's don't build it up too much. So I believe actually, you know, don't get me wrong. I love sex, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a Scorpio, mm-hmm. but I actually think that what's better than sex is a great night's sleep. And so I feel my sexiest when I've had, and sometimes it can vary. I mean, I can, I'll just call it a good night's rest, mm-hmm. but sometimes that could be eight hours or that could be 12 hours. Mm-hmm. My minimum is usually eight hours, by the way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting up and feeling rested, I feel like my skin looks good. My tummy feels good. 
my muscles feel good. My body feels strong. I feel fertile and vital and, Mm -hmm. and strong and vibrant. And that to me is feeling sexy. Mm. It's not, you know, sexy and sexual are very different in my mind. Uh And so that when I have a good night's rest, I am sexy as hell. Okay, good. Good answer. Um, Top thing that makes you feel magnetic. Magnetic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you do. You are extremely charismatic, even on camera, even through the the screen. You know, um, but think about magnetism in whatever. I'm not going to, you know, give you my spiel of what I mean by that. So I just kind of pose these questions in like whatever whatever lens for you, as far as like, you know, GT being like magnetic. We know the days that we're magnetic. Like we, it's yeah. a it's a knowing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. So I would say. I am my most magnetic when I am um, stepping into the role of a leader. Mm. And again, I don't mean like leader, like, hey, look at me. You know, I think I'm important. So you should think I'm important. It's really like I am taking a stance. I believe in something. These are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And this is how I believe you should subscribe to this philosophy because I feel like this will enhance and enrich your life in the ways that I believe it has or it or, or is enriching my life. Mm-hmm. And let's do this together. And I think I candidly, I think that's what the world is missing these days is like world leaders of, I call them light warriors or even light soldiers, mm-hmm. which is spelled S O U L D E R where, you know, we're, we're fighting the battle, but we don't fight with weapons. We fight with love and kindness and compassion. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in that environment is when I feel my, I, I feel I'm my most magnetic. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. Thank you. And soldier, S O U, soul. L-D-R. Okay, so soul, it. yes. Yeah, okay. That was a word that um, I can't take credit for in my last ayahuasca ceremony, is that's what Aya suggested to me. I was called a soldier in that conversation. And it, it, it opened my eyes to yes, the world is a battlefield, but not one where people die or get hurt. It's that we're, we're fighting darkness with light. We're fighting hate with love. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Last question. How would you define um, or what does it mean to you to be spiritually sassy? I'm inviting all the guests to help me define that word. And of course, everyone that comes on the podcast, I see you all as being spiritually sassy already. Um, Uh But what does that mean (laughs) to you? I think being spiritually sassy is not caring what people think. Mm. I think it's and not doing things for validation or or um, or approval from others, mm-hmm. and it really is again not to sound redundant is is leading with your soul, leading with your spirit, mm-hmm. leading with your heart, leading with your leading with your energy, that translates into this radiation, this light, this glow, this frequency, this vibration mm-hmm. that just you project and and. You know, it's almost something, it's an intangible feeling that, again, you just radiate and you, it's almost like the sun, how the sun warms and heals and and grows. I think that's what being spiritually sassy is, is it, you radiate this light that like everything and everyone around you is like taking in your energy and just like the sun to a plant, like they're growing with you. Um, and, and at the same time, having fucking fun at the same time, like not being a stiff, mm-hmm. you know, self-important or conservative person, like knowing that 
And that's why I love about you, Saul. Like you're, you, you drop a few f bombs, and I like that because it's like, you know, I'm not saying I'm a saint. I'm not saying I'm a priest. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm a monk. Mm-hmm. I'm all those things. I'm none of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I think we are entitled mm-hmm. to have different colors and different personalities, and I think that is being spiritually sassy. Oh my goodness, what an epic answer, GT. Thank you so much. This was so delicious. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you, thank you. Where can we find you? Is there anything that that people need to know right now? Yes, there's a couple of things, and thank you for allowing me to plug. Of course. Um, So first of all, we have my team's telling me that we have to plug the scholarship for those that are listening and want to learn more and hopefully participate. So it's um, on our website, Mm gtslivingfoods.com. So it's gts, no apostrophe, livingfoods.com backslash scholarship. And that's where you can learn about the $250,000 that I have essentially pledged to help elevate the um, the youth, specifically the LGBTQ+. Um, and then for me personally, you can find me on Instagram, uh, on gtdave3, the number three. And of course, my company and products, GT's Kombucha is our handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we make a lot of different products, which I won't bore you with right now, but everything from Synergy to medicinal mushroom teas to you know, probiotic waters, which is our aqua kefir to raw coconut yogurts. It goes on and on. We believe we are um, the home for cutting edge food that is medicine. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're looking to be better with your health, you know, please check us out. Oh my God. Yes. Well, thank you so much, my love. Truly such an you're honor welcome. and a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. God bless. Love you. Love you too.